0: Welcome to 12 Questions. Hey,
1: everybody. What's Hi, up?
0: Hi. Uh, this is Anna Valenzuela. This is Alex Young. Yay. And I'm joined today uh, by our guest. How would you like to identify yourself? You can identify with your last name, without your last name, however you want to do it. With your plan. Oh, I thought you were asking, like, sexually. Like, how do I... Oh. <laughs> that too. Like gender. Sure. I was
2: going to be like, uh... Whatever works. Anna, I thought you knew me. I'm a 100% woman. Uh, <laughs> Uh, a gay woman, yes, by the name, a gay sober woman by the name of Alex Powers. Yay! Yes, yes. I'm so glad to have My you. My name in is Alex. Alex Powers, and I am an alcoholic. Oh, I love it!
0: I love hi, it. You talk. Hi, Alex. About, hi, Alex. You talk about it on stage the way that Alex. Alex. This is a double Alex pow, uh, podcast.
1: That's right. AA.
0: A. Oh, 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 shit, hey. Oh shit! Oh Zip, Zab, Zai. I mean, Yikes. really, triple A because.
2: Oh.
1: Someone get a flat tire in here go
3: <laughs> we will,
2: we will, <laughs> oh
0: my God! We, uh, we will co- We offer roadside assistance. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you don't know how true for me that is. I, Soberer
1: I road assistance. I
0: had a sponsor tell me recently that like I can't be the school bus for every uh, comedian ever who doesn't have a car. Uh, and it was drilled home the other day. A comic texted me, "Hey, can you um, help me pick up my sister at 9 a.m. at LAX?" And I was like, "Yikes! Nah." Get it. <laughs> I was like, "Sorry." What kind
1: buddy. of like self? a serving like get an no. Uber like the rest of us no
0: I mean you know I normally I'd be of service but for me it goes into a weird dark codependency corner it's like corner. five dollars exactly.
1: on Pool or Uber Express
0: exactly totally.
2: basically what we're saying is that if you're a comedian in the LA area and you need a ride from one of us just tell us that you're sober and you're trying to go to a meeting yeah, yeah exactly. there
1: you
0: go there you go I'll get you ass to a meeting
1: but well, we gotta stop by LAX
0: exactly that's so funny that's so funny so how was everybody's week before we get into it, uh, this past week was Pride Week. What? Hey. This was uh, LA Pride. So, this was an extremely,
2: you know, being a gay comic, this was probably my busiest week of the year. Did
0: you perform at Pride with the big, crazy crowd? I know you performed at the Laugh Factory and kind of all over.
2: Yeah, I like
0: I did a bunch of I
2: mean I, I had shows and then most of which were gay shows all that week. So I did okay. Gays Arrest at the improv you know, earlier in the week and then I uh, did the Laugh Factory Friday. But Saturday actually I was not performing at Pride. I was performing at the San Diego County Fair on their LGBTQ.
0: How show. did that go? Wow. Wow. It was great. I mean San Diego's great crowds. They're like road right yeah, crowds. Exactly. It. They're fun. They're 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 a party city. Yeah. They show up to have a good time.
2: Always
1: a pleasure.
0: That's a good time. How are you, Alex?
1: I'm well, I'm well. Just uh planning the wedding, you know, getting everything together. Dotting all my eyes and crossing on my yeah. T's. It's been good. Found some sweet tuxedo pants uh, okay. on the clearance rack.
0: What? Oh, okay. So it, you gonna own this tuxedo right. pant.
1: Every, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm a bargain shopper. So every time I see a Nordstrom rack, I hit a quick right into the lot. <laughs> and
0: uh, <laughs> That's fun. And then
1: I go straight to the clearance rack because I feel like that's how you get around the system. I don't pay full price
0: for anything. Yeah, you fancy. I was like that as a drug addict. Yeah. <laughs> hey me too oh yeah I, I was like yeah. don't you know I'm cute <laughs> oh, No. it was all about all free day. shit I know it was mm-hmm. such a good time it was such a good time people ask
2: me they're like how did you afford to smoke all the crack you were smoking I'm like well first of all it's not expensive mm-hmm. um, but secondly <laughs> like you're out of your mind if you thought I ever paid for cocaine or anything any derivative of in my life yeah. that's
0: true especially okay so tell us about that story tell us <laughs> yes. about a little bit About that, using how did that go?
2: Um, Let me just put it this way: I first of all, I'm from Baltimore. But
0: I actually didn't. so it was Baltimore crack. That <laughs> yeah, wasn't no. that wasn't like uh, that wasn't Hollywood crack. That was Baltimore crack. It, no, no, not even. you think <laughs> I. I mean, I
2: say you know I'm from Baltimore as like a, oh okay uh, that makes sense. But really, mm-hmm. I didn't even start smoking crack in Baltimore. I waited until I moved out to California. Oh, for and, the, uh, the long, organic stuff. <laughs> 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 long story short, um, you know, I found myself. Hitting a crack, you know, hitting a crack pipe, smoking crack on a boat in Long Beach in the marina, and I thought to myself, I would not be doing this if I wasn't drinking. Yep.
0: By the way, that is very much the Long Beach marina. I've definitely uh, hung out over there, not using, just uh, paddling around, being a dork. I have scaled that marina. That's like I have so pulled a funny. Spider-Man in
2: and I have literally broken into that, mar- into that marina to get to the crack boat. Um, crack There's boat?
1: There's a crack boat?
2: Well, I mean, oh, it, was, the it was my, boat to smoke it was crack my on. boss's old boat. My, I, I worked for a crackhead, So the story of how I started smoking crack, because uh, I did like every day for a few months, leading like immediately leading up to my m- most recent sobriety, four years ago. Um, but my the, the story of how I came to smoke crack is the same story, as how I came to learn how to build custom furniture. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> I worked for a contractor hilarious I got a job working for a contractor who, who was a crackhead
0: yeah from, that's fantastic from Bakersfield As, can you uh, still build oh, custom f- a
2: furniture a I actually uh, yeah I mean that's like a hobby of mine I build custom furniture
0: that's a, that's delightful which is
2: interesting because I, I don't look like the kind of lesbian that would I, yeah um,
0: you're currently wearing a bustier <laughs> underneath a like beautiful mesh top like lacy and lacy <laughs> I, look, I look like a vampire
2: yeah, yeah you, so, you uh, yeah. It's
0: 4.10 p.m. <laughs> and you do... You're you dress like look...
1: the, the hottest uh, cast member on The Craft. <laughs>
0: oh, I love you. Thank it, you. It, the Craft is really the movie to reference. I mean, that if was... If you had referenced Twilight, we would have Bow. had to push you out of the studio. Once you stay... <laughs> I would have sucked your blood either way. Because, ah! um, no, I love
2: vampires. And I'm aware that it, the sun is still up and I'm, and I'm wearing all black. I have shows after this, as we discussed. So I have... Uh, I have to be evening ready.
0: I'm, this, for me right now, this is the summer of cargo. It's funny, I'm the straight woman here and I, this is the summer of cargo pants and Birkenstocks for me. You look I've, like you're about to build a deck. I do look like I'm <laughs> about to build a deck. I look like I'm gonna build a deck and then go coach softball right <laughs> afterwards. I do, I do. I used got to, the
1: Birkenstocks on.
0: My whole uh, sponsorship family is out of Long Beach and Orange County and they're all like, um, myself and my, my current sponsor are the only two straight women in the entire family everybody else is gay lesbian the whole the whole night. and for a while one of my home groups was like a meeting in garden grove that's called the flying shoe meeting and how it got its name was a drag queen um got really excited during somebody's birthday and kicked his foot and a heel flew across the room and now every time you take a cake they throw shoes at you Nice. It's the most fabulous thing in the whole wide world.
2: That yeah, that is some that is some gay
0: shit. It's super gay. Yeah, and when I became gay. when I became like single single, there we were in the meeting one time and this woman leans over and she was like, "Hey, I heard you broke up with your boyfriend. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I did, and she was like, just to let you know if you want to come to the other side. And my sponsor leaned over and was like, "Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <That> <laughs> you think fun. she would know by now? <laughs> <laughs> trying to
1: recruit you, man. It was really I, out here trying to get us I would straight. Clean these. up,
0: man. I'm just saying I would clean up, I'd have a good time. Um <laughs> but alas strictly dickly Uh, Uh, we would be in it we would be a pretty couple I know right yeah oh my gosh look out Stuart
1: (laughs) I just want to bring some pillows in here and see what y'all do with them what pillow fights you know girls Uh, do that no no
2: No. not even at all nope
1: okay see for all the guys Mm -hmm. out there that is not a thing that is a misnomer only a fable (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: yep that was so weird (laughs) yes that's what that's what lesbians do we pillow fight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the fourth season of the L Word. Lots of pillows went down. <laughs> I
2: mean, you, feathers were a flying.
0: <laughs> nothing. I, I, personally,
2: nothing turns uh, me on like busting open a down pillow. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Real
1: Jane Austen's over here.
2: <laughs>
0: oh Jesus, Alex, I gotta take you to some gay meetings.
1: <laughs> oh, I've been to I've been to a couple gay meetings on the West Side because when I first got sober, they told me to go to every meeting, so I went to every meeting and even gay meetings. They're they're all the same. Everyone's just trying to get better. Their snacks are better. Snacks are better. Coffee oh, is yeah. better. Their
0: snacks are always on on point.
2: And yeah. honestly, the shares are better too. And yes. can I just say, uh, since we were, were talking about it, I gotta say like being in a gay meeting, as far as like recovery goes, Mm -hmm. you, nothing so much has ever like impressed me or like I realized you can stay sober through anything by going through gay meetings because those older queens that lived, that got sober in the 80s, yep. you know, Ooh, from the yeah. that lived in New York. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of them out here that, yeah. you know, are from New York. They, they got sober in the 80s at the peak of the AIDS epidemic and everyone around them was dying. Oh. Uh, and, you know, I hear so many stories when I hear an older gay man mm-hmm. talking about what it was like getting sober and then in, in his first six months, you know, right. he lost his partner. He lost two of his friends. Like, you know, literally... Dozens of people around them were just dying left and right, and so those early sobriety stories always got me. You know, yeah. Th- those are some hardcore stories from yeah. those like older queens that got sober a couple few, a few decades ago.
0: Definitely, and to show up with so much joy and so much hope—that's the real thing. Is it's like we go through so much. Uh, there's a meeting I go to currently where a friend of mine's sponsor is uh, going through cancer. And his shares are just full of hope. It's just like the most beautiful thing. And it really takes me out of that like, oh, I don't, I didn't get a call back from the book of the thing. And it's like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Just shut up. Like, like, enjoy, enjoy this beautiful life while it's here. You know,
1: I bartended an event this weekend for like a, some huge music producer, apparently. And there were a lot of old queens there. And just hearing them talk was incredible, like just so nuanced in their lives. And I just came in from New York and this and that. And they're just so, so busy. And quite a few of them turned to me and ordered just a club soda and lime all the whole night. And I know what a club soda and lime is. You know, that's just like I want to look like I'm drinking. I don't want to make people uncomfortable because that's all I order when I go out.
0: Yeah, so. be careful with that though. I accidentally mm-hmm. grabbed instead of my cup of soda and lime, I accidentally grabbed somebody's uh vodka tonic or vodka soda the other day. That's right. oh, that I, have had,
2: I have had so many. Let me let me think about this
0: actually.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: One, two, three. <laughs> spit
0: alcohol everywhere.
2: <laughs> it's probably been, you know, three, maybe four. Uh, but definitely three that I can remember times in the four years I've been sober where I have accidentally uh, you know, taken a drink of actual alcohol either because they got my drink order wrong and gave me the wrong drink or because you know whatever
0: Uh, i'm so glad you shared that because i was like i freaked the fuck out i didn't even talk about it for like two weeks i told my sponsor immediately and then i just didn't share it at all yeah for a while
2: because i was like what do people think well here's the other thing and like i don't i don't um I don't uh, recommend this to anybody. Uh, everyone's everyone's different. It's I, I I really don't share about it on a group level. Um, but you know I will occasionally drink non-alcoholic beer. That's not something I, you know, obviously broadcast in meetings. I, I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, for it most just means it's, it's a gross mm-hmm. beverage. <laughs> 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 it's a gross beverage that you know for whatever. Re- I don't know when I got when I when I was first sober. You know, I thought that was a horrible idea. You know, like when I first got sober when I was like 19 and I was in my 20s and stuff. um, And that was like a big no-no for me. But then when I got sober again, you know, this time around uh, in 2014, I I don't know. I don't know why. Someone close to me drank non-alcoholic beer or or non-alcoholic wine. Yeah. Which I didn't even know existed. What? Yeah. And I kind of. Oh,
0: yeah. I've had that yeah it's um it's basically it's grape juice and it's prepared the same way as wine it gives you the same headache which is fantastic uh. Uh, but yeah i've had i've had uh like grape juice or like non-alcoholic wine yeah isn't it called like free or something
1: I think I've seen it in the stores it's like Uh, the label says free
0: I'm from San Luis Obispo so it was like a winery up there made it oh fancy yeah it gave gave me a terrible headache I was like oh I don't miss this at all Mm
2: -mm. but yeah I'll occasionally have a non-alcoholic beer it's very infrequently it's only really when Mm -hmm. I'm out or if I'm out after a show and people are drinking Mm -hmm. and it's just you know like I said I don't recommend it to people but um
0: I drink kombucha and that has like a slight alcohol content and people get really. I know I've seen people get really weird, share about it at meetings and stuff. I'm like, I mean, I have so, bad guts. Someone
2: told me, and this is this is could just be an excuse. I mean, it is true. It yeah. is a fact. But you know, orange juice that's been open for three days has more alcohol content in it than a non non alcoholic beer. The difference, of course, is that you know the psych psychologically, you know, mm. you know, you're not drinking yeah. something that tastes like beer or looks like beer. You know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, for sense. me, it's it's never it's never been a trigger. You know, I don't I don't have one, and then want a real beer I don't have Hmm. one and then really want a second (laughs) non-alcoholic beer it's
0: kind of like okay (laughs) so that speaks to like how was your experience of surrender um you know I uh
2: I was thinking about that earlier
0: and I don't really know I've had
2: like in the four years I've been sober there's been times where I would have a great answer to that that question there's been you know, times where I've spoken about surrender at length. Uh, lately, um, you know, upon coming here and I was thinking about some of the questions I knew you guys would ask me. I was like, God, man, I don't even know what surrender looks like in my life today. Um, actually, you know, I think it looks like me walking out of the house with no makeup. Uh, yeah. No, I... You I, don't need makeup, by the way. Oh, girl, you are... I appreciate you, you lying to don't. me. You don't. Um, You know, the thing about surrender, and this is what I someone told me this early in sobriety, you know, I I think of France, I think about like par like the French are notoriously, they've always surrendered. Right. Because culturally they have such this emphasis, this like, like like their, their art is very important to them. You know, like, that's a huge part of their culture. And and the French historically have always surrendered for the sake of kind of protecting Paris so that it wouldn't be destroyed by, you know, whether it was the Germans or whatever. And um, that's an interesting thing to think about because we think of surrender as defeat, as synonymous with defeat. And, you know, especially early on in sobriety, I realized that you do not have to be defeated to surrender every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually the opposite, you know, in surrendering, uh, upon surrendering, you know, once you wake up, it's the first thing you do in the morning. It's actually to avoid any kind of like defeat throughout the day and stuff. So you don't you don't need to you don't need to have your ass kicked to surrender. Uh, ask the French; they would know <laughs> <laughs> better than anybody else. In fact, wow. surrender has really uh, saved and maintained and preserved a huge aspect of their culture. Is the so the
0: Louvre, is, yeah. the Louvre is still there. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to look at it. Because a lot of times, especially in Western culture, especially in the U.S., we're like, we never surrender. Burn it all down. We don't care. We'll yeah, that's, be here. That's very stubborn. Yeah. Um,
2: and that, yeah. Ke- that keeps a lot of us from getting into the rooms or getting into rehab or whatever. Uh, surrender, I guess, you know, to me, I, I will say this. Um, you know, while I, I don't get on my knees as much as I used to, I used to do it, you know, religiously. It was a habit every day. Uh, that I kind of, unfortunately have grown out of, but then sometimes I do. And then sometimes it ebbs and flows. But what I will say is I'm, I've gotten so good in these last couple years of just doing the action and just like doing whatever. And, you know, like we say, staying out of the results, not worrying about the outcome or, you know, the result of my actions or reactions, um, and just doing, Yeah, you know, um, it was really big for me in my first year of sobriety to learn how to do nothing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, lo- like, not reacting, not doing anything mm-hmm. is also, you know, a Oof. big a big part of yeah. surrender. But for me now, it's like, you know, when it comes to our profession, like, raw comics and stuff, like, whether it's sending that cold message, sending that cold email, making that cold call, or asking for, I want this, I need this. It's like, you can do that. You're totally allowed to do that and go get you know, pursue what you want and take the actions and the steps necessary to get there. Um, and being okay with not with the result or outcome, Mm -hmm. not being what you're hoping for. That's, that's, that's definitely surrender.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just staying out of the results. Yeah. Not being attached to the outcomes. Right. Uh, Which is the tricky part. Cause then you get to do and do, 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 do,
2: do indiscriminately. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, it's like auditions. It's like the more you go, it's a, it's a numbers game. It's a law of averages. The more you go to, um, the like more likely you are to book one. It's like if you're just constantly doing, you know, mm-hmm. it sounds chaotic, but if you're just like, I'm going to send this email and this and this and this and this and this, by the end of the day, you've sent 20 emails or booking requests, whatever. And you've stayed out of, if you've heard back from any of them, and then, you know, you hear back and it's like, okay, you know, like that's, yeah. like we say, like actually the faith without works is dead. Like we have to be active in our lives. That was very scary for me. You know, when I got sober my first year, especially pertaining to my career. And then I got to a point where I was like, I need to literally just do and do and do and do yeah, and not worry about what happens.
0: That's beautiful. What's been the most insane moment you've experienced in and out of recovery? In
2: and out of recovery?
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Gosh,
2: you know, I don't know. Um, I, I think one of the most insane things in recovery is how exponentially like better my life gets, yeah. particularly my career. Yeah. Um, my, like whenever I have a, a huge, I take a huge leap forward in my career or something really cool comes my way. I'm, I'm astonished, you know, blown away. Yeah. Um. You know, I've also, this past calendar year has been the absolute like hands down most challenging year of my life as far as dealing with, trauma and outside issues and peripheral addictions that have been very activated and stuff um it's been a very challenging year but it's been hands down the best year the best year of my life best year of my career um and with that said i've also i know i've lost four people uh from this disease in the past year uh three in the last you know few months um one of my friends just committed suicide uh, and he was definitely in some sort of drug-induced psychosis so he, he you know i found that out tuesday of this past oh, week no. and then a mm, few months ago oh thank i mean um and then a few months ago i had an old sponsee and her boyfriend who was a good friend of mine they died in a fire which i pretty sure they caused cool. so you know the what I, I bring that up though as far as like the insanity goes is like you know when I reach out to my, our mutual friends, like in the case of my friend that just passed away this, this past week, you know, I call my friend, I call my other friend and one's drinking one's smoking pot. I don't have to do any of that. You know, like that's insane to me Yeah, yeah. to navigate through morning, whether it's morning, a relationship morning, a person that's passed morning, a job, whatever I get to like navigate through all these feelings and blah, 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 without, I don't need to drink. I don't need to do any of that it's a huge source of relief
0: it's beautiful it's so beautiful because a lot of people they face i've experienced loss i've experienced both my parents are passed and one died while i was in recovery and lost a lot of friends i was told really early on to buy a really nice dress for weddings and funerals because you go to a bunch of those wow yeah and i was like okay that's fair you know and you don't want to you don't want to be buried in that dress you know, so that's kinda of the that's kinda of the important thing. Well, it depends on the dress. I yeah, mean- it could be fantastic. <laughs> it could be it could you could be doing like a Tiffany Haddish and this is the dress you'll wear for Ava. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, like or being buried in a bodysuit, you know. That's a- <laughs>
2: with some Balenciaga <laughs> heels. Right? <laughs> I don't want to be buried though. I mean I do. I'm I'm open to being burned. I'm open mm-hmm. to like being cremated. Yeah. Um, and this is still the shit I think about, even sober, because even though I don't feel like I'm going to die anytime soon, I still think about it. And, you know, my sponsor is very adamant about it's weird she's so chill and she's so like go with the flow and open and open to so many ideas but she's very particular about this one idea and that's the idea that we are all we all have a death wish drug addicts whether no matter how recovered we are yeah mm-hmm. um there's just this, this like subconscious drive that's just like death wish and oh yeah so i think mm-hmm. about death a lot um I'm not like fixated on it, but I I definitely know I want to be cremated and I definitely know that if I'm not cremated, I want to be buried in the ground. I don't want to casket, like smuggle my body onto a Native American reservation, uh, put me in the dirt. I want to decompose and my body to go back into the earth. And yeah, Yeah.
0: you could do that tree thing where they like wrap, they like, they put your body in a pod and then they plant a tree on top of that and then they plant the tree in the ground. That's going
2: to be a badass tree.
0: It's gonna be a fucking badass tree, for sure.
2: Very tall. Put me in fetal position, Mm. naked in the ground, maybe a shroud. There you go. Yeah.
1: It's gonna be a it's gonna be a gay tree. You (laughs) know. I
2: don't know. You don't get don't to make know. decisions
0: for that tree, sir. I don't oh, know. Sorry. You
2: got to let that tree identify <laughs> as it sees fit. I mean, my dog is completely heterosexual.
1: <laughs> that I'm bitch
2: in. is straight.
1: Oh, okay. That's how you raised your dog?
2: I didn't ra- see, I didn't have a say in it. Is, you know, it's, it's nature, like- nur- not nurture. She just, you know, yeah. one day woke up and she was like, I love me a pit bull.
1: Oh, she okay. loves
2: pimples, oh, and they love so her. Hey. What kind of dog is your She's dog? a Shetland sheepdog.
0: Oh, cute.
2: Yeah, she's a bougie bitch. She's fancy as fuck, but am
0: I allowed to curse on oh, this? Yes, oh, yeah. of okay. course. Please do.
1: Wouldn't be a sobriety podcast if you couldn't.
0: How, how do you make decisions in your life?
2: I don't. Okay. I <laughs> like that. I like that. I'm horrible at making decisions. Normally, normally uh, the decision is always yes. Normally the decision right. is like yes, okay, right. unless I have you know an otherwise like gut instinct to like no, that's not a good idea. Or that's yeah. not you know worth my time. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, of course, like, you know, there's always prayer and meditation, which sometimes I have to resort to when I feel particularly baffled. Um, But then again, it goes back to that whole idea of like, you know, doing nothing. Sometimes I really don't know the answer and I need to wait. I literally need to wait, take a beat, take a pause. Right. And then normally the something else will come up that like, you know, is a more substantial indication of what, what the next indicated
0: action is. That's beautiful. Beautiful. Are these long-winded answers? No, they're perfect. No, they're... You're fine. I'm, I'm okay. enjoying it. We're good. Yeah. Okay. This podcast is what it is. It d- literally just develops in any kind of way these questions. We ask these questions to people not in recovery sometimes, and their answers are hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what? Like, uh, usually for surrender, they say, like, um, uh, surrender means death. Like, they have, oh, like, yeah. such a, like, uh, black and white interpretation of surrender. Oh, like, yeah. they're just like, oh, that... That's you failed, right? Yep. And we're like, no, <laughs> but you know, we. The whole point is there's no right or wrong. Quite the answer. contrary, no. You mm-hmm. surrender so you don't get shot by the
2: enemy. <laughs> yeah. and that's the
0: whole point. They, they don't, they don't whole get city the whole Point of a down. white flag, yeah. man. Exactly. It's a. It's one to of those. Preserve like, the Louvre. Not everybody's had that yeah. like uh, that dance with death, that death wish impulse in their their heart, mm-hmm. so they just don't like. They're like, wait, what? Or like, how to make decisions? The the uh, the big as we get go along, there's a couple of questions. That that there's like big uh differences, like a huge chasm in the way people answer them. It's pretty, pretty fascinating.
2: I'm really impressed by the fact that you know these questions by heart. I've
0: been doing this for two years. Yeah, but I, but when I did it, I, I took out, um, I took out my step work, and I was like, um, kind of the origins of this podcast, where another comedian was like, "You're going to start a podcast," and I was like, "No, I'm not." And then you turned to another comedian and said, "Anna's starting podcasts," and that that comedian was like, oh, it should be based on the 12 steps. Oh, you should call it 12 questions. And I was like, oh, okay. Like all things in my life, my higher power is just like, hey, dum dumb, do this thing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, and if I'm not in a state of like fear, anxiety or self-loathing, I will take mm-hmm. action immediately. And, um, and I've, you know, been struggling with a little bit of that lately, but we're pushing through, just got through some therapy. So we'll do one. We're getting there. We're pushing forward. There you but go. the, um, uh the the point of that was as I I just laid down I was like, what are questions that relate to the 12 steps that are not the 12 steps themselves so we can ask people of all walks of life these questions. So it was kind of the brilliant exactly it's a thank you. thank you. It's the um Russell, have you read Russell Brand's new book? No. Okay. I've been listening to it on an uh, audible and he narrates it, which is great. Cause I'm a sucker for an accent. And uh, he uh, does this whole thing where he basically, he identifies these like addiction is not a thing. If you have a substance abuse problem, you're lucky cause it's very clear. Mm-hmm. But for a lot of people, it's just this lingering sense of I'm fucked and you're not a hundred percent how you are fucked. And so it's sort of i it's sort of the the 12 steps for everybody even if that thing is just that you're sad or that you're dude
2: i like i'm currently i've been trying to like work on material about it lately um you know to talk about it on stage like i i do i have all these peripheral addictions that have popped up in this past year of sobriety mm-hmm. and uh if you're going to have like you know adjacent or like peripheral addictions in your life I would not suggest having them sober. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. It's... It is so hard being a love addict, being, mm-hmm. you know, a sex, being a, I'm not really a sex addict, but I'm definitely a love addict. You know, it's mm-hmm. so fucking hard having, you know, a, a food thing, you know, mm-hmm. an, an under eating or over overeating thing in my case, you know, or a shopping addiction. Like I have like three prominent addictions that are very activated normally simultaneously or like they pinch yeah. hit and they they come up. And man, that is... So like difficult. all the all the aforementioned, you know, the, mm-hmm. one day I'll shop, the next day I'll overeat, then I'll mm-hmm. restrict for a week, then I'll overeat like crazy. And I'm a total love addict, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting, though, To have brought that up because, you know, a lot of the trauma work I do, I I work, I do somatic healing with a shaman every week. And that's for, you know, trauma, mostly sex trauma, um, birth trauma, abandonment trauma. I'm I'm adopted. So, like, I have some really deep, hardcore wounds around that stuff. And you would think that that's actually, I thought that that was the root of, like, love addiction, you know mm-hmm. or so, or like you know being addicted to a relationship or a person or constantly like constantly pursuing or seeking out like an unavailable person through mm-hmm. which to obtain you know <laughs> unconditional love whatever it, it's codependence codependence is the, the root affair. comes
0: up every episode <laughs> 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 DJ
2: codependent be a melody
0: who writes a lot about
2: you know this stuff like she her you know professional opinion and that of a lot of mental health care professionals is that codependence is actually the the root of all and any addiction oh yeah Um, which is why you know you can get sober you know and you can have that obvious addiction you can remedy that and you can you know get into a state of abstinence with it and not drink or use and then you're if you're like me you commonly have all these other addictions all of a sudden that kind of just come out of nowhere. And oh, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. why? What is not being arrested? You know, like it's the codependence. Mm-hmm. And so in treating the codependence, normally those peripheral addictions tend to subside. But, you know, that's the beauty though of recovery and getting sober is that like the awareness of all these addictions, which have been totally operative in my entire life, yeah. I really like wasn't even aware of and couldn't acknowledge until after a few years of sobriety. Some people are luckier and they can acknowledge them sooner in their sobriety. But sobriety is the one thing that has allowed me to even address them or become aware of them. Wow.
0: Yeah. Between years five and eight, that is when I started to touch that stuff for sure. And it all cropped up. It was food. It was food. It was um, obviously I I identified it as different stuff other than codependence. It's just this last year. I basically had a uh, therapist hit me with a book and was like, you have two options. You can go to Al-Anon or you can read this book. And the book was codependent dependent no more and I was like well give me that book because Al-Anon meetings are uncomfortable (laughs) so I um and if you listen to this and you're an Al-Anon person I've been going to ACA so feel free to laugh at me um (laughs) so uh so yeah that's like uh definitely I have gone through all of that stuff and 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 I reached a point where I was like doing really good and that's when I started doing stand-up and my life got super duper functional I was really living a life beyond my wildest dreams and then I had this last couple like year year and a half and shit got hard and I relapsed into a lot of those behaviors and so I had to um I was literally talking with my therapist today and I love that you're doing the somatic thing. Cause she was like, well, it sounds like before what you got really good at was talking about it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, and now because I've had some physical injuries, I've had some stuff and now I can't just like every time I have an emotion, put on running shoes and fly down the street and exercise a little exercising addiction. And you know, all with that body image, dysmorphia stuff. And she was like, so now we have to teach you how to release the trauma just stuck in your body. Yeah.
2: Because the trauma is in the body and the Mm. body is connected to the subconscious mind. Yeah. So the body knows things that the conscious mind does not know, Um, which is an interesting thing to think about. And somatic healing, of course, you know, has to do with going in there and resetting your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. Like if you've ever seen a gazelle getting chased by a lion, like on Net Geo or something, Mm -hmm. and it looks like it's about to actually get away and outrun the cheetah or the lion or whatever. And then it just, Collapses. It just faints. You know, its body goes into shock. And sometimes it works out because it releases a death pheromone that the, you know, the predator might smell and actually be like, oh, I don't want this. And it'll go in and this creature wakes up. was like, oh my God, I'm still alive. What? But we're mammals. We all yeah. have that mechanism in our yeah. body. And that's why, you know, when you're there and all of a sudden you're grabbed and you're being assaulted and people ask you, why didn't you smack away his hand? It's like your body goes into shock. Your body has mm-hmm. a mechanism that, you know, Oftentimes, uh, whether after, you know, a certain kind of trauma, regardless of what kind of trauma it is, you know, needs to go back, it needs to be reworked and refixed and stuff. And so that's what somatic healing is. But, you know, it's an intro and I talk about this very openly in meetings because that's where I'm at in my sobriety is outside issues. I stopped drinking four years ago. What else am I gonna do now? Mm-hmm. You know, like there's more for me there. And yeah. well, your disease will do push-ups.
0: It's like, oh, yeah. you're not using you got a credit card. Uh, (laughs) Let's go to the outlets, bitch. exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because it's all an effort to get you to drink. Oh, she's married? Oh, she's
2: cute, though. Mm -hmm. Mm She likes you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I, I say this in meetings because, you know, not because I look, we're there to be of service. I happen to take that seriously and want to do as much as I can to save someone's life. Uh, For me, sitting in a meeting recently, uh, in order to be of maximum service and save someone's life, is uh, is to acknowledge and remind people that the twelve steps were not designed to treat trauma. No, they were designed to treat alcoholism.
0: In fact, mm-hmm. sometimes they can thrust you back into it if you don't have somebody who's savvy enough. I had a sponsor basically say, "Go to therapy or never call me again." Yeah, and that and that saved my life.
2: If you've worked the twelve mm-hmm. steps and you are experiencing, you know, a degree of pain that is just unmanageable and you know maybe other behaviors that have sprouted up that mm-hmm. are unmanageable it's a good chance you need outside help and yeah. um it, i think that if, if in fact actually it's irresponsible to tell someone that they're doing this wrong yeah you know you're you're not yes. oh have you done your fourth step again blah blah blah, blah. Mm-hmm. it's like that might not be so yeah in that regard yeah it can be dangerous when you're not encouraging people to seek relief if there there is some relief you cannot get from the 12 steps the 12 steps are meant to keep you sober they are not meant to help you recover from molestation mm-hmm. or rape or emotional right. abuse or abandonment you know like that is or or codependence for that matter
0: yeah what they can do is they can give you the tools and there is a codependence codependent anonymous there's CODA uh, there is ACA there is Al-Anon but the primary purpose of those fellowships is to deal with those things and the way that they work their steps is specifically designed for that Um, and they also recommend getting outside help they're very open in all three of those fellowships about seeking outside help because that might be the additional support which is which is beautiful but definitely as if if my experience has been the same, if I'm I'm in a fellowship for substance abuse, there can be. It, what it did is it gave me the tools to be the best goddamn therapy patient mm-hmm. a therapist has right, ever right, seen. Right. They're like, totally. "Wow, you're remarkably aware of yourself." And it's
2: remarkably like, aware, remarkably you know, painstakingly honest. Exactly.
1: Oh yeah, I doubled down in my first week of sobriety. Right when I got into meetings. I had a therapist reach out to me that was also a comedian who was just trying it out and having a good time. And he's like, hey, I want you to come into my office and gave me free therapy at his world-renowned office. And it really prepared me for the meetings and the meetings prepared me for therapy. So I had to double down on that and it kept me in the rooms a lot. And it calmed down. It it put out so many fires that sprouted up in my brain when that was happening and my body was getting clean. Right. And yeah, also a lot like you guys are saving my life.
2: Yeah. yeah. Therapy steps. is so
1: goddamn important. Squarespace.
2: Squarespace. Steps. Not, steps. not talk space. <laughs> talk steps, space. Have always, yeah. steps have always pushed me into outside help and outside help has always inevitably pushed me back into the steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when I ensconce myself and ex- like outside work exclusively, then my mind gets crazy. The alcoholism, the mind powered aspect of this mm-hmm. disease has a little window open and you know it's like oh i can kind of get let out and wreak havoc inside my head and so you know that i treat my alcoholism i treat the mind-powered aspect of this disease with the steps and with meetings nice you know so it's a nice little cycle you got going on there
0: what's been the most exciting or interesting thing you've learned about yourself so far in sobriety um You know, that I was a
2: spiritual being having a human experience. Wow. Yeah.
0: Especially you have a tough girl vibe. And I definitely, I've definitely been described as a tough girl. And I would, I would hear people say that when I was new in recovery and I'd be like, barf, that sounds so weak. And then one day I was, I, I was like, oh no, that was completely right on. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah no I think the the most interesting thing I've
0: learned about myself
2: is that I have a seed of God planted inside of me. I am oh, a mm-hmm. spiritual being uh, this is a very like temporary very like you know it's a blip um not having this is a learning experience. I'm here to learn I'm I've had many of these I'm going to continue to have many more of these you know it's mm. mi- mistakes are perfect.
3: Mm. Yay. Um, you know, mistakes all my are mistakes perfect. are per-
2: I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, at least my mistakes are perfect. Mm. Um, I learn nothing from my successes, just about everything from my failures. And it's all gravy, dude. It's all mm. good. Yeah. And it, just like we say in the rooms, you know, everything is temporary. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's beautiful. What's your level of honesty today?
2: Dude, I can't get away with anything. Yeah. <laughs> like I cannot... Like, as far as honesty with myself, like, there's not, like, I'm, it's damn near impossible for me to really fool myself or trick myself into yeah. anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if I've lied recently. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just, there's no, there's no point to, like, lie about anything.
1: That's what I've discovered, too. I can't, I... I'm planning the bachelor party, and my buddies want to get me into so much shit that I know I'd have to lie about once I got back.
3: Oh! And
1: I was like, "No, we're just not gonna do that. We're not gonna go to those places. We're just gonna go to Chicago, watch a couple baseball games, and we're gonna come home. That's all I want to do."
0: Oh! Do they want to like take you to the strip club and do all of that crazy? Oh yeah, they want to go
1: to the Dominican Republic.
0: They want to go to the DR?
1: They want to go to the DR or the CR or anywhere with a bunch of like hookers and party out. And they're like, well, we want to party.
0: You know, you can go there and not go to hookers. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, they don't Besides, understand that. They in don't. Those,
0: in those countries, all,
2: I mean, all those. All the prostitutes—they're all—they're all all sex trafficked. You don't want to—you don't want to f with that.
0: Yeah, honestly, that's a really good argument to be like, I don't want to contribute to global sex trafficking. And I've read a few articles that say that that's the case. Yeah, they're just gonna be like, boo. (laughs) Yeah, let them boo. Let them boo. Just, just be like, I'm not, I'm not down for raping any ladies. That's what you tell them. Amen.
1: Oh, but yeah, I so I told him that I was just like, we, we can go have fun at a strip club where the women are having a good time. And, you know, they're working out their issues and paying for college, whatever. But we're not going to go wild. We're just there like, well, you just want to do touristy shit? I'm like, yes, I want to experience one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Chicago. So let's do that. Yeah, it's your and bachelor like, party. All right, fine.
0: Can I tell you a fun story? Yes. When uh, I first got clean, uh, one of the like couples in the rooms, they got were getting married and uh, there was a bachelor party for the for the gentleman mm-hmm. and it was it was a very small town so like literally there was one meeting a day so you knew fucking everybody's business it was <laughs> kind of amazing <laughs> and um uh, there was a little bit of a scandal because the stripper at the bachelor party showed up and she was dancing and all the guys got real uncomfortable because uh, they all recognized her but they weren't sure who she was and then finally uh, one of them goes ah oh, shit are you Dave's Daughter, hilarious. What? <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> that uh, that made uh, that made strippers very uncomfortable subject for uh, oh, that those too guys funny. for a few years. Yeah, especially when they described some of the uh, shenanigans that went down. Yeah, uh,
1: my group chat is all gifts of girls twerking it for a dollar bill, and I'm like, guys, I. <laughs> stop all right they're like come just on want to
0: celebrate your yeah yeah
1: which is which is totally fine but fun it's, times. i don't want to do anything where i'm gonna to have to backtrack or it's gonna come back to haunt me in the form of like a an std test or something or something that i breathed in the air from yeah. that neighborhood you know so yeah. Trying to keep it cool, trying to keep it clean, trying to keep my conscience clear as much as I can, because that's something I'm in control of.
0: Yeah. And you you definitely have had the consequences of using and almost losing that relationship. So you're Absolutely. It's to...
1: very real. I know how yeah. it feels and I know she's. Because you
0: are a butt grabber. <laughs> I can't keep my hands to myself
1: sometimes <laughs> and that's why I don't drink anymore.
0: That's that whole story. I like how I just put you all the way on front street in front of Alex. Yeah, yeah, Hello. (laughs) Sorry. How you doing? (laughs) What's up? Sorry. Um, uh, What is your, uh, how do you deal with fear and anxiety these days? Fear and
2: anxiety these days. I mean, you know, I've been blessed with, um, in sobriety, you know, my mind I think has just recreated so much infrastructure. Mm. Anxiety and depression, while, you know, such a big part of my entire life. I mean, yeah. I was like a clinically depressed person. I had a suicide attempt. Um when I was uh, well, before I first got sober, I was uh, I guess eighteen. And like, you know, depression was like and anxiety was was just Yeah. I was. That was my identity. And in sobriety in the last four years it's not. You know, when I get depressed, it's a very it's a blip. My anxiety is so like substantially curbed yeah um yeah i guess like i guess having a spiritual practice a daily spiritual practice especially like you know a strong consistent one for my first year and a half man it, it worked wonders on my brain you know it worked yeah. wonders on my brain chemistry um and that's you know the practical aspect of prayer meditation uh what, what
1: prompted your first uh, go round? The go
2: around i had an athletic scholarship to college and i lost it
0: what sport
2: lacrosse Ooh. yeah so i didn't always look like this um <laughs> i used to just always wear like t-shirts and it's weird because like before i was before i came out of the closet i looked obviously gay mm-hmm. like now that i'm you know I've, i'm an out i'm a gay lady in la i don't I you know, I feel like I'm constantly needing to come out. This is not a very effective look for being a lesbian, trust me. <laughs> lesbians don't think I'm a, like they, lesbians don't hit on me. Like this look doesn't say like, oh, she's a master slayer of puss and she That's built a... her own furniture.
0: <laughs> this this look I want that
1: t-shirt now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's a merch opportunity. Master Slayer of Puss builds own like, furniture. You don't look at me. You don't look at me and
2: think like, oh, at she. At least the had...
1: bumper sticker. Come on.
2: For sure. No, I should start. I should start selling. Like, you don't look at me and think like, oh, she has her own contractor parking space at Home Depot. You don't look at me and oh, wow. think that. You look at me and you think she has a boyfriend who plays drums and has a man bun. Like that's what like, that's what oh, this look says. It Very accurate. This look says that I have a boyfriend who I financially support and he has a bachelor's degree from in women's studies. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> um, but you know, I didn't always look like I was I was, you know, I was a I was a star athlete in high school and college. So I just always wore like t-shirts and, you know, sweatpants and always had my hair up. But I got away with it though. I got, away, you know, n- no one people people didn't look at me and think like, "Oh, she's gay." They just looked at me and thought like, "Oh, she must be on her way to practice." Yeah. You know, and I was. Yeah. You know, I was practicing to be an Olympian, gold medalist, um, muff diver.
1: Puss merch. <laughs> yeah. So,
2: Thank you for letting me try out. Material. <laughs> ah, it's very funny. I love it. <laughs> uh, wrote it yesterday. Thanks. Uh, what was the question? Um, how for do I do things? Yeah. yeah, you know, I've, I've been graced with not a lot of anxiety, you know, in sobriety. Wow. Of course, I get into fear, but even then, it goes back to that like contrary action. Like, you just do things. You just got to do, 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 and stay out of the results, you know? So I just, a lot of times, I just force myself to do the things I'm scared of, and then, you know, a little bit of. A little bit of self-knowledge comes in, too, which is helpful, which is, you know, the, the knowledge and the understanding that very few things in life are worth doing that aren't terrifying.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like things that are scary are normally the things you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Oof. So I try to, like, you know, keep that in mind. But this is the time Well, I will bring up the fact that I, you know, I sit in ayahuasca ceremonies. Again, it's not something I talk about in meetings, but it's mm-hmm. not something I keep secret outside of meetings, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. I I didn't start doing ayahuasca because I necessarily felt you know this overwhelming sense of anxiety in my sobriety. But I will say that I was in the most my sobriety was in the rockiest place. It was in the entire like the entire time I had been sober. It was in a very um, vulnerable place uh, at the end of last year, twenty seventeen. And that's when I sat in my first ceremony. My anxiety was the highest it had been. My fear was the highest it had been. There were a lot of external and you know circumstantial things going on that led to that. And I sat in a ceremony, and I've been sitting in an ayahuasca ceremony since. I mean, I've only done two, but I'm about to do a third, and I know I'm doing mm-hmm. uh, one in October.
1: Does um, it cleanse your conscience?
2: It's just it's a natural mioi inhibitor, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, I found I found that a especially that first ceremony i sat in in december 2017 it really i felt like i'd press a reset button on my sobriety um because i thought i literally that that weekend i was like i don't know how i'm gonna stay sober i was like i feel like i'm gonna drink Mm -hmm. and um there was a period of time at the end of last year where i i started thinking about drinking for the first time in my sobriety what brought that up you know i had gotten out of a relationship um I had uh, my life was extremely unstable all of a sudden it was uh, mostly just financial insecurities and yeah. financial mm-hmm. and also you romance
0: know, and finance
2: it's the big one yeah I mean it, it wasn't even getting out of my romance I was I was seeing another sober person for two years and when it ended it was you know it was it was a good thing and I was really relieved I got involved with someone shortly after that that actually got me into Al-Anon
0: like I started going to Eleanor Go when I,
2: you know, so I think the combination of like being in this very emotionally stressful new, new romantic and emotional entanglement where there was a lot of uncertainty, and then coupled with like just crazy, crazy financial instability and instability yeah. in my living situation and blah, blah blah, and I was like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to fucking stay sober, mm-hmm. and I sat in ceremony and. uh when i have every time i have sat in ceremony since i experience a very prolonged um, reprieve from stress mm-hmm. and anxiety stress is normal right and you need to be able to have a threshold for it but um, yeah that's that's been that was kind of like it was kind of a saving grace for me yeah. at that period of time in my
0: sobriety that's beautiful that's amazing how what is the character defect you have to work on the most these days
2: expectation and just for the record i hate using the word character defect. Okay. Um, I, I think that there are aspects of uh, 12-step programs and of the literature that is antiquated, and any doctor will tell you of course. that yeah. it is, you know, that kind of negative fear-based language is uh, not helpful to recovery or treatment in, from any malady, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, mm-hmm. spiritual. Yeah, well. um, what would you call it then? I call them character defenses. Okay. I also hey. simply refer to them as survival instincts mm-hmm. that yeah. have gone kind of awry. Um, you know, defect is just a negative word, and I don't think we have—I uh, don't think we have the luxury of people, you know, have a life-threatening illness. Uh, we don't have the luxury of just relying on these kind of negative things in our lexicon is that the is that the like our vernacular
0: I think the original like um what was in vogue at that time was more behavioral modification and part of behavioral modification is just breaking people down into believing that whatever they've done hasn't worked and so that kind of negative connotation language was far more acceptable at that time but weirdly through the treatment industry and through a lot of different things that has changed because a lot of people have been like wait a minute this isn't this doesn't work for everybody. Right. Some of us come in with no self-esteem whatsoever. Right. We also realize just from
2: a neurological aspect that
0: language is powerful. Yeah. Words are
2: very powerful. Yeah. uh, As far as the effect they have on, you know, our our brain and our our chemistry and whatever. And so, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think that's maybe one of the, areas of uh, 12-step culture and, you know, of the actual physical literature that could stand to be amended because right now it does not seem to be um – up to par with where that with the way the medical community is looking at their own terminology and kind of reforming their own terminology in regards to a bunch of different illnesses they're
0: very slow to change core literature and 12 step fellowships they're very slow to come to like a um, consensus on what that should be and you'll see it like when somebody refers to a higher power as either gender or genderless and some old some old codgers like excuse me that's not how it was written in the literature and you're like Mm. okay slow down well my you know
2: and this is where you know my criticism comes in a little bit my response always at that point is like well you know it has a 10 percent success rate maybe we should start to think about why okay oh, hey. um because i don't like i said we talked we touched on it a little bit earlier you know i refuse to believe that people go out and they relapse and they go out and drink because they're just not working the steps right
0: yeah And you see a lot of people do that. Like I I have some friends that will, they'll call me and they'll just be like, I, you know, maybe I just need to do this and maybe I need to join this other kind of 12 step program. And it's like, bro, you have already worked the steps in two different 12 step programs. Maybe you need to see a doctor or something, you know what I mean? Maybe this is beyond this or shaman. Yeah. Like whatever, you know, whatever works for you, whatever works for you. My new therapist is all hippy dippy. (laughs) She's like, Kind of kind of broaching those subjects. Too. We it's love like, living in cute. LA. Can you tell? Yeah. We love living in Los Angeles. But yeah, to
2: answer your question, expectation. Expectation is one of my biggest like character defenses, one of my biggest instincts, because okay. it inevitably leads to disappointment. So, you know, yeah. kind of, you know, ridding myself of expectation. My favorite part about this program is, you know, in the seven step prayer. I love step seven and the seven, seven step prayeriness is like remove all those defects of character yeah. which stand in the way. Of my usefulness to you and my fellows. And what yep. that means is that I don't have to decide <laughs> what stands in my way and what right. doesn't. If I have, and this is where it goes back to the idea of like, my mistakes are perfect. If I wake up and I act quote unquote imperfectly or, you know, I act out of a quote unquote defect or character defense, right. whatever. It's not up to me to decide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not up to me to judge or self-flagellate. Is that the word? Flagellate? Yeah. Um, that's, uh, that's up to a power greater than myself. So I don't really need to spend a lot of time feeling guilt or shame. You know, obviously I take responsibility. I say, sorry, when necessary, but, uh, there's a lot of times where I've been an asshole. People have been an asshole to me and that's exactly what I needed.
0: Yeah, exactly. What is your, um, experience of forgiveness?
2: Mm. The most profound experience of forgiveness I've had mm. is, um, When I first, actually, right before I started getting, I I got sober.
0: Are we good on time? Are we good on time? Because you're the one with the time. We're good on time. Okay. Um,
2: I want to thank you guys real quick for having me again. And I feel like these answers are so long winded. You're great, man. I fucking talk too much. Anyway, I'm just trying um, not to
0: interject because I'm like so vibing on what you're saying that I don't want to like jump in too much because I know you have a time constraint. Quick stroke of my cock.
1: Yeah. Okay. cerebralizing that cock, you know. Um.
0: You know, I had
2: a. I started. The, thanks, Alex. Man,
1: destroying over
2: here. <laughs> I I think when when you get into a room with Anna and I, you know, and you don't and you don't have a vagina, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard.
0: No it's pun, hard no to. Intended, yeah. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> <laughs> he is definitely the broiest part of the podcast. I like right? it's <laughs> really uh, coming out right now. No pun intended.
2: Actually, no pun intended.
0: Uh, for sure. Yeah.
2: Um, just, especially once we whip out our pillows, you know. Um, <laughs> me
1: out
0: and start pillow fighting. Oh, God, Alex, as you do. Y'all so um, jealous out there of me right now. You, we gotta mm. get you around more different types of people. That's I'm just like, I'm, like every week I'm like, okay, well we've gotta we gotta take Alex to. Different Different places every once in a while. <laughs> Please bring me. I want to learn. Ugh, I don't know that you really
2: <laughs> I I just I don't know that you can handle it. I don't know oh, that you for can handle it. Sake. I don't know that you're ready for this. Oh my um, god. Anyway, I I actually started meditating before I got sober. I developed a meditation practice right before I got sober. Um and I started doing a what it was referred to in this book I was reading as formal guru yoga. And at the end, basically like, you know, you've, you've meditated, you know, you're, you, you're, you have your Sat guru, you're taking in all this gold, white light, you know, love stuff. And then you're kind of expelling it across every living being in the universe, every, you know, everything in the world that you can kind of mentally comprehend. And when I would do that, um, I had a friend who had passed away. Her boyfriend had murdered her years before, and she would always come rushing up to me at the end of these meditations. And I'd be like, "Hey!" And I would always want to go and like go and focus on her mom and her sister who were living, who had you know been that were still here on Earth. And I I would always be like, "Hey, let's go, let's go!" Like you know, just shower some gold and white love light on your mom and your sister and she'd be like, yeah, 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 this is this is what this is what would happen. I would get this feeling, she was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they they they're they're good, they're good and she would kinda take me by the hand and she would rush me. I'd be like, What are we doing? We gotta go we gotta go like, you know, I gotta go meditate on your mom and your sister. She'd be like, no, nah, yeah nah, nah, they're they're good. They're good. They're good and she would kinda rush me to the cell and she would take me to his cell, you know, her boyfriend's cell. Who, you know, I guess, I guess he'll be, he's, he's still there. He's in Virginia prison. He'll be there probably for another 20 years, maybe less, um, for, you know, for murdering her. And she would be like, you know, and I would, I would envision him in this cell, like in fetal position, dark, holding, you know, holding onto himself. And, uh, she'd be like, this is, this is what you need to do. This is who you need to, this is who you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. And I remember you know the first few times in this meditation when that would happen, like I just remember being like, all right, and I'd just begrudgingly do it, and then over time it it just it was just part of my meditation at the end mm-hmm. um and then having this realization when i when I did get sober uh very shortly after that that you know that could have been me like you know there are people sitting in prison. All over this country, uh, for doing things that they were either under the influence, like they were under the influence when they did them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it was with a car or with their bare hand, you know, like not every alcoholic blacks out and murders someone. This is true, but there mm-hmm. are definitely people, you know, sitting in a jail cell somewhere right now that really didn't have a say in the matter because no. of the role that drugs and alcohol played in their life. Yeah. Um, so that's been the most profound experience with forgiveness I've had. And, you know, not only just forgiveness, but, you know, compassion and relating to, to that person is playing a huge part of that forgiveness. Um, God,
1: that's so difficult. That's
2: he might be able to so change difficult. the world, you know, like mm-hmm. he he doesn't have a life sentence. He, he, he got 20 some years. One day it's feasible, you know, if he doesn't keep racking up time on a sentence for, you know, however it is he's he's acting in prison. It's possible he'll he'll get out one day and he could change a lot of lives with that story. Yeah. You know,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. um, whether it's going around college campuses and being like, I killed my girlfriend, (laughs) you know, it's not really up that those, those things are not up to us to decide.
0: That's true. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm sad for your friend, but I'm also happy that she, pulled you in that direction.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, I guess I guess me too. But um uh forgiveness forgiving myself too. I think uh I think I've done it, you know. And there's things I there's things I did that, you know, obviously were not not happy about. You know, I have like guilt about and what you're a human Shame. being. But um,
0: I have to clear the cash out all the time, sort of like web browser history. I have right. to come to self forgiveness. I'm like in a phase of like, okay, we're clearing out the cash of like self forgiveness. We gotta gotta get back to where I was, but right. I always accumulate a little bit more gunk and then like, get out of here. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. What is um the weirdest amends you've had to make? Ah. Uh probably someone that actually reached
2: out to me for help before I had a chance to really make an amends to them. And so part of my amends involved, you know, someone who reached out to me for help as a sober person, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, knowing that I was sober. And and obviously a lot of the people from our past, a lot of people that we have amends to make are people that are like us, Um, people that we partied with, used with, you know, fucked over, um, lied to, cheated, stole from, stole with, you know, whatever. Um, So yeah it, it's been trippy and it's happened more more than one more more than once um where someone on my amends list you know reached out f- to me for help um because they needed to get sober or they mm. needed to stop doing what they were doing, and so that you know helping them whether it was helping them get into a treatment facility or taking them to a meeting or whatever was you know wound up becoming a huge and necessary part of my amends process that I probably wouldn't have you know, implemented of my own had they not asked, you know? So those have been the most interesting, but also the best amends.
0: Yay. How do you maintain this on a daily basis? Like what's your daily routine look like?
2: I get up, I read,
0: uh, (laughs) I, I drink
2: my coffee. And as I'm, as I'm sitting outside drinking my coffee and smoking my cigarette, I'm reading, uh, you know, 86 and 87. A lot of people are like, A lot of people are like, "Uh, you know, get on your knees. And before you do anything else, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm going to let my dog out. Hmm. I'm going to, you know, drink my coffee. I'm going to smoke my cigarette while I read pages 86 and 87. It works for you. That's just my thing. Um, I don't have a lot of, like, self-judgment these days. I kind of do what I want. Yeah. Which sounds like
0: arrogant or whatever i'm just like no nah, nah, it's just where i am right now right. there's no perfect way to do this thing i think a lot of times the folks that are like you have to do it like this it's like no you don't it's always going to change um but if you're if it's not you know if you're one of those people
2: that has had the same daily spiritual practice or routine yeah in the and it works for, for 20 you? years that's amazing At yeah i envy you i look up to you there i'm not like yeah that that's amazing it's something that you know i would want i want for myself um but yeah right now I read 86 and 87 before that when I do wake up if I can remember to like upon waking opening up my eyes there's a Jewish prayer I'll say Mm -hmm. Um, and then after I read uh, 86 and 87 I'm always outside when I do it Um, there's another Jewish prayer in Hebrew that I will say and then I'll say it in English as well um, which is just like a morning prayer type thing
0: sweet can you say it
2: no I'd have to be reading it okay there you go I mean What's it's you, here. I could if you wanted me to.
0: <laughs> What's your relationship with your higher power like? Um <laughs> you know, uh is this the last question? I feel like it's We're rounding down. That's like eleven.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um It's interesting. I had a Jim Carrey moment recently, like a couple months ago, um, where like there's this Hindu concept of like, you know god is well for like first of all like god is every like we we are god essentially um mm-hmm. like okay like it, i heard this in a meeting actually i heard this in a primetime meeting you know which well you know they they focus a lot on like the mind powered aspect of this disease and um this guy was speaking and he was like what's your favorite food like anna what's your favorite actually you know alex what's your favorite food i'm <laughs> curious to know what your favorite food is
1: i like a nice ribeye, i uh Medium rare with a uh, a side of kimchi and some green beans.
2: Okay. <laughs> that is uh, surprisingly American, but like very Asian at the same time. Absolutely. All right. So do you want to be the medium rare ribeye with kimchi and a side of green beans? Or do you want to eat the medium rare ribeye with a side of kimchi and the green beans? I want to eat it. Right? Yeah. Imagine how God feels. Imagine you are this thing that is like infinitely, it's everything. You know, it's infinite splendor, euphoria, relief, salvation, right? But, like, how do you experience yourself? Like, how do you – this is, like, a Hindu thing. it's, like, the concept is that God has incarnated in these, like, kind of infinite beings and given itself amnesia so that through the process of enlightenment and reincarnation, it can experience itself. But you can't experience or you can't eat the ribeye if you are the ribeye. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, And so I had this – I had this, like, kind of experience a few months ago where I was, like, I kind of had this academic realization, but also, like, you know, this kind of spiritual, like, awakening where it's, like, okay, like, we are kind of singular. This is my opinion. But, mm-hmm. like, the, the divinity or whatever, like, consciousness, it's it's one thing, you know? It is kind of singular. Like, we're kind of alone. We have each other. We have the illusion of each other, but, like, it's one Thing like so, I kind of I walk around and I'm like I have one foot, you know, in the in the ocean of spirituality and one foot planted firmly and on the beach of human experience. Um, but in the middle of that, I kind of have this acknowledgement where it's like, you know, like I have I have I'm having a human experience, but like I'm I am one and the same. Like where wherever it is I come from as a spiritual being, it is like it is the higher power, like that thing. That got me sober, that thing that AA didn't get me sober, meetings didn't get me sober. Um, Something truly divine within me, you know, this little spark inside me loved me enough to save my life. AA has kept me sober and meetings have kept me sober, and working the steps have kept me sober. But I, you know, that thing, that thing that just is inside me, that loves me dearly, got me into that meeting, that first meeting. So my relationship with my higher power. It's like, you know, I find myself talking to myself. You know or outside of myself, and I'm like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I hate you for doing this. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I don't know. I, I have this kind of like bickering relationship with my higher power, yeah. Um, but I also don't think of it as being completely separate from myself, which I realize sounds a little bit crazy, no. which I think is why people think Jim Carrey's a little bit crazy. I just think it's a very poorly packaged message, mm-hmm. and the way that he <laughs> yeah. conveys it is just void of a lot of necessary compassion because you know you can't go up to someone, you know, you can't go up to a mother whose son was just shot by the police and be like, it's okay. None of this is real. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> None it of it feels very matters. real. Yeah. Like you can't you you know, that's not how you approach suffering. That's not how you approach yeah. people's pain. So there's like this lack of compassion there in that. But I think Jim Carrey is absolutely right. Yeah. I think he's absolutely fucking right. I think consciousness is singular You know, our bodies are, you know, the physical realm is part of an, it's part of existence and it's an experience, but like you and I are the same thing. You and I are the same thing. We are the same as each other. And um, luckily though, we're given this human experience to know what it feels like to think differently or to Mm. know otherwise, to be, to, to feel small and separate from each other and from the oneness that is, you know. Mm -hmm. something divine and that is actually the latin definition of ego or the greek definition of ego wow small and separate
0: beautiful fantastic what's one thing you want to leave behind on this podcast what is like one thing you want to give to somebody just like you getting sober was the greatest Thing
2: That's ever happened to me and everything good in my life and everything, you know, bad, but absolutely necessary. I mean, I say bad loosely because it's really just, you know, it's not really real, but everything amazing and fantastic and phenomenal in my life has, whether it was difficult or not, you know, has been a direct result of me being sober. And if there's one thing I want to leave with anyone like me, it's that, you know, you don't need things to be easy to do them you just need to know that they're possible and in this world of you know in in getting sober everything is possible everything is possible in this world and um like i said before things that aren't hard typically are not worth doing Mm -hmm. yeah tell them
0: that's gorgeous thank you you're fantastic where can people find you
2: well Uh, You can find me at www.alexpowerslive.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at Mm alexpowerslive. And um, that way you can always check up on my upcoming shows and upcoming dates and come see me live.
0: Very funny. She's very 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 funny. funny. Uh, And Alex, how can people reach you?
1: I'm at Dapper Duong on all social media platforms. Come holler at me. We're super funny out here.
0: Yeah, and you can find me at AnnaV is fun on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also find me at anavalanzuela.com. And uh, both Alex and Alex, if nobody's told you this today, I love you. Oh, I love you guys too. And if you're listening to this today and nobody's told you this, we love you. Okay, bye. bye.
3: Yeah.
0: We did it.